Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. With us again today is Ron Kangas. Ron, we saw in our last program that there's absolutely no conflict between Scripture and science when it comes to creation. Today, we want to come back to this amazing view of creation in Genesis that offers a scriptural reconciliation of the scientific view of the age of the earth and what the Bible actually teaches. But to fully understand this interpretation, we need to see not only God's creation in this passage, we also need to see Satan's rebellion. Would you please give us a backdrop? God's creation is stated in summary form in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Satan's rebellion, we believe, is implied in the first part of verse 2 at least, where we are told that there was waste and void and darkness uh, upon the surface of the deep. One way to contrast God's creation and Satan's rebellion is to contrast two wills. I would recommend that our readers consider Genesis 1.1 in light of Revelation 4.11 which tells us that everything was created by God for his will. The word will, uh, especially if we understand it in light of Ephesians chapter 1, points to God's will to carry out his economy for the fulfillment of his eternal purpose. So creation and everything involved in it was carried out by and for and according to God's will, that he might have a universe with so many living things and human beings in it for his eternal purpose. Satan rebelled against God. According to Isaiah 14, he asserted his own will and defiance of the divine will. And his rebellion led, as rebellion always does, to judgment and chaos, waste and confusion, darkness and death. So already at the very beginning of Genesis 1, we see on the one hand God's creation for the fulfillment of his purpose, 
And then we also have implied Satan's rebellion against God and against his purpose. However, and this serves as a kind of segue into today's portion, Satan's rebellion is actually used sovereignly by God to prepare the way for God to engage in restoration and further creation. Despite the enemy's rebellion, God's will will prevail and his will will be done for his glory and for the satisfaction of his heart's desire. Thank you, Ron. Once again, we want to alert our listeners that though the content of these classic messages on Genesis is timeless, the audio tapes that we have to work with are not, and consequently, the audio quality of some of Witness Lee's sharing does reflect the age of the recordings. So let's join Witness Lee from the spring of 1974 with today's life study of Genesis. Now we come to the third main point. The first point is fully covered in verse 1 of chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That was about God's creation. Then we have Satan's rebellion, which is covered just with half a verse. It says, and the earth became waste and empty, and darkness was upon the surface of the deep. As we have pointed out, there are five main points. Number one, the earth became something. The earth was created by God as something so good. But due to the rebellion of Satan, the earth got damaged. It became something else. Last time, I didn't mention to you, because we didn't have that much time, the word became in Hebrew is the same word used in chapter 19, verse 26 about the wife of Lot. You know, the wife of Lot became, all of a sudden, a pillar of salt. She was a living human being. But because of her failure, she became something else. She became a pillar of salt. And here, the principle is the same. God didn't create and earth as a waste and empty. But the earth became such a poor thing. Number one. Number two, you have the waste and you have the emptiness. You have the waste, you have the emptiness. Four, you have the darkness. Darkness. And number five, you have the deep. That means the deep water. The Greek translation of the Old Testament for the word deep means the water is not just shallow water, a deep water. It's hard to tell how deep it was, 
But anyhow, you just keep in mind the earth became something, and this something was a waste, and it was empty, and it was full of darkness, and there was the deep water. As we have pointed out in the New Testament, whenever these two words are used together, waste and empty, it always means a kind of result of God's judgment. And this proves that what is mentioned here in verse 2 of Genesis 1 was not something of God's original creation. It was something after God's judgment. Why God judged the earth and the earth became waste and empty as we have seen, it was because of Satan's rebellion. Ron, let's take a few minutes to focus on the language that we're dealing with in these first two verses. Uh, The translation of some of these words is very critical if we're to understand what is really here. I'm thinking now of the word became in verse 2. Why is this such an important word in this passage? There is a very significant difference here. If we say, as many translations do, that the earth was without form and void, we would interpret this as meaning that without form and void were a condition or a stage of God's actual creation. In other words, when God was creating, he first produced something that was amorphous, uh, empty, kind of a waste, without form and void. Then supposedly, then God works upon this formless mass and produces something orderly out of it. Considering this verse in light of the entire scriptures, especially in light of the verse in Isaiah, which tells us that God did not create the earth a waste or a void, we prefer to use the word became instead of was. Became would then suggest that something happened to God's original creation. He created the heavens and the earth, but then the earth became waste and empty, or without form and void. How did the earth become such a waste? As we have suggested, we believe that the scripture implies, and we may therefore reasonably infer, that there's an interval here related to the rebellion of Satan and God's judgment upon that rebellion, including whatever beings followed Satan in it. As a consequence of the rebellion and judgment, something happened to God's creation. It became something it was not before. We know from Job that when the sons of God, that is the angels, saw the earth, they shouted for joy. Surely they did not shout for joy over a waste or a chaos or a formless mass. The original creation surely was beautiful, but due to rebellion and judgment, it became waste and empty. Because it became such, it stood in need of God's restoration 
and also of God's further creation. Thank you, Ron. Let's go back to Witness Lee. So we come to such a conclusion. The earth was not only a waste and was not only so empty, meaningless, but it was filled with death and was under death. Under this kind of situation, God came in. Now we have the third main point. God's restoration and further creation. I would ask you to pay your attention to this. You see, from the second verse of verse 2 of Genesis 1, what is mentioned here is not God's original creation. That was over. Now what is mentioned here is God's restoration. To restore what has been damaged. Not only so, God had some further creation. For instance, God in this time created man. Man was a new creation. It is not something God's restoration, but it is something God's further created. Am I right? So, from verse 2b of chapter 1 through the last verse of chapter 2, this portion of the verse shows us God's restoration of the damaged universe, also God's further creation. Ron Witness Lee in this portion uses the terms creation, restoration, and further creation. Since all of these terms do not appear in the text, are there some biblical clues that help us to see these different applications? First, with the word creation, we have not only a clue, but a forthright declaration in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created. If we study the matter of God's creation in the scriptures, we see that God calls things not being as being, that God creates by speaking. He speaks a word, and what he speaks is fulfilled. So creation refers to God's action in creating something when there was nothing with which to work. God spoke, and the heavens and the earth were created. The word restoration implies recovery or restoring something to a prior condition. If one's health is restored, that means, surely, that one was in good health, became ill to a certain extent, and now his health is recovered to its original condition. So we use the word restoration to refer to God's divine activity in recovering the judged and damaged and darkened and chaotic universe. Damage requires restoration. However, not everything in the remaining verses of Genesis 1 and the first part of Genesis 2 should be regarded as restoration. 
Surely the earth that was buried under the water was restored. But the creation of humankind is a creation. God not only restored what was damaged, he initiated and carried out further creation. So in the beginning, God created. Satan rebelled and God judged. So there was the need of restoration. After restoration, there was further creation. Thank you, Ron. In the section coming up, Brother Lee is going to refer to Genesis 2 and verse 4. Perhaps you could read it for those who are not able to follow along in their own Bible. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Let's join Witness Lee. Now, I would ask you to turn to chapter 2 and read verse 4 again. Many people would not pay much attention to this verse, yet this verse is quite meaningful. Here, the first half says, the heavens and the earth when they were created. Firstly, the heavens, then the earth. The verb or the predicate here is created. Then the next half of the verse says, in the day that the Lord God made. You see, the predicate is changed from created to made. Created means to bring something into existence of nothing. But to make means what? To work on something to produce something else. This is to make. You have to see with the heavens and the earth. Firstly, it was not a kind of making, but it was a kind of creating. The heavens and the earth were created. Then in the next half, it says, in the day that the Lord God made, not the heavens and the earth, but the earth and the heavens. Have you seen the sequence? The change of the sequence. If you read verse 1 of chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the earth and the heavens. Okay, let me read to you. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. What happened? You read to me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right. In the beginning, God created, firstly, the heavens and then the earth. Then, from verse 3 of chapter 1 to the end of chapter 1, it was, the Lord made the earth and the heavens. You read chapter 1, you can see, on the third day, the Lord recovered the earth. On the third day, God didn't create the earth. The earth was there already. So the Lord recovered the earth on the third day. Then, on the fourth day, the Lord recovered the sky, the heavens. So, in the restoration, it was not firstly the heavens and the earth, but firstly... The earth and the heavens. 
in the creation. It was firstly the heavens and then the earth in the restoration. Firstly the earth and the heavens. You can see these two things both in this one verse, verse four of chapter two. Well, Ron, to me, this last point was really interesting. In chapter one, we have a very intriguing change in the language that really gives us a window into the depth of the truth of this passage. I think we need a heavenly English lesson here, Ron, a change of word order and a change of predicate. What is this all about? Originally, God created the heavens and the earth. Here we have two matters of significance. God created. To create is to produce where there is nothing. God created something directly by his speaking. When there was nothing to work with, he spoke, and by his word, he created first the heavens and then the earth. This matches the order in Zechariah. In Zechariah 12.1, the Lord stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. However, because of Satan's rebellion, God's judgment, and the need for restoration, there was further creation. In a very real sense, this further creation was actually a making, because God, instead of creating now out of nothing, made something out of pre-existing material. So we were told in Genesis 2, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. We may say he created man, but more precisely, we would say he made man. And Genesis 1 even says, let us make man. So the first part of Genesis 2-4 refers to the original creation of the heavens and the earth. They were created, the heavens first, and then the earth. But in God's restoration and further creation, he makes things, including man. And since the earth was damaged, the focal point is the earth and then the heavens surrounding the earth. So in this one verse, we have a reference both to God's original creation of the heavens and the earth, and also to God's restoration and further creation, that is, his making of the earth and the heavens. This shows God's progression in order to carry out his original intention from creation through restoration to further creation. God we may be assured, is determined to fulfill his heart's desire, and he will allow nothing of the enemy's damage to frustrate him from accomplishing his eternal purpose. Ron, before we close, I'd like to ask you about a term that you used in an earlier response, and we heard Ed Marks use the same term in our previous program, and that is the word interval, referring to the period of time between verse 1 and verse 2 in chapter 1 of Genesis. Is there any indication in Scripture of how long that interval may have been? Based upon my present knowledge of the word, I would say we have no knowledge 
of how long this was. Was it millions of years? Was it billions of years? We have no way of knowing. We are simply suggesting, based upon material in the scriptures that lend credence to this view, that there was an interval of undetermined length. I would add this, our reason for taking this line of interpretation is not to try to reconcile the generations-old conflict of creation and evolution. We're not trying to fashion a system whereby we can correlate the two. Our purpose is simply and more modestly to try to be faithful to the scriptures, to rightly interpret them, and to present them to God's children in the way of a life study. Thank you, Ron. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find out more about Witness Lee, these life study messages or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thanks for listening today.